This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello there and welcome to episode 37 of this here, the Three Lions podcast. My name's Russell Osborne. Thank you so much for the reaction on the Gary Lewin podcast. It was a great sport for sitting down and having a chat. If you haven't heard it yet, it is still available. Check back through the previous episodes on your podcast provider. Of course, Gary Lewin was the England physio for nigh on 20 years. He'd seen a lot in his time. Uh, Hear what he's got to say on that podcast. And there is, in the mill at the moment, another special podcast being done as we speak. But this episode, what's coming up? We play both the USA and Croatia. So we'll be speaking with Daryl Grove from the Total Soccer Show podcast, and also to Croatian Alex Holliger about the crucial Nations League match against Croatia. And we'll also catch up again with Kunal Sapat about the Block 109 initiative at Wembley. And we also have an overshadowed squad announcement to look at. It's been a while since we last spoke. The back end of October, England climbed to fifth in the world rankings following the Nations League games against Croatia and Spain. You may remember a while back, we spoke with Davey from EnglandStats.com and he mentioned about this new method of rankings. It's called SUM, S-U-M. I've had a quick look into it and according to the FIFA website, SUM relies on adding, subtracting points, won or lost for a game, uh, to or from the previous points total, rather than averaging games points over a given time period, as was the way in the previous version of the world rankings. The points which are added or subtracted are partially determined by the relative strength of the two opponents, including the logical expectation that the teams higher in the ranking should fare better against the teams lower in the ranking. Clear as mud? Yes. Currently above us in fourth place are Croatia, third are Brazil, second World Cup holders France, and top of the pile at the moment, Belgium. Germany, well down in 14th place. Scotland, 40th, 4-0. I know there are no trophies for finishing top, but would be good all round if we can just climb that little bit higher after this month's games. As I'm sure you heard, on a dark day for English football, the same day as the Leicester City helicopter tragedy, Glenn Hoddle, earlier in that day, had a heart attack within the confines of the BT Sports Studios. If it wasn't for the quick thinking of the sound technician, Simon Daniels, to use a defibrillator on him, pretty much saving his life. It would appear that Hoddle is now stable and is going to have a triple heart bypass. So we wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. Of course, he won 53 England caps and scored eight England goals. 
Now, there's also talk of the 2022 Qatar World Cup being fast-tracked to be a 48-team tournament rather than the 32 that we currently know. There'd already been confirmation that 2026, the joint World Cup hosted by America, Canada and Mexico, is going to be the larger tournament. But surely Qatar will have to be helped out by other neighbouring Gulf states as they're not going to have the infrastructure to host all of these games, all of these nations. Of course, this is the vision of current FIFA president Gianni Infantino. Nothing, it appears, is set in stone yet. But what with the tournament already being moved in the calendar to December, this is just going to be another thing to consider. Qualifications, one thing. Personally, I hope it doesn't happen myself. I'll have to wait and see on that one. The Lionesses have also been in action away in Vienna, Austria, for a friendly. Coming away with a 3-0 win. Goals from Chioma Ubugagu and Georgia Stanaway, both on their debuts with a goal each and one from Rachel Daly made it three. It was quite an inexperienced side put out by Phil Neville. And he had said in the build-up that Captain Steph Houghton wouldn't be included as it would have been her 100th cap and he wanted that to come at home in a game at Rotherham against Sweden. These are England's final matches of the year before the draw for next year's World Cup finals, which take place on the 8th of December. Now that game against Sweden didn't exactly go to plan, as the girls went down 2-0, beaten for the first time on home soil since 2015. Phil Neville reacting by saying, The side needed the loss to give them a jolt in preparation for the World Cup. It's just a little bump in the road, to remind everyone that no one is going to just give us the World Cup. We've got to keep on working hard. So before the squad was even announced, it was overshadowed by the recalling of Wayne Rooney who last appeared for England against Scotland in November 2016. Now, almost two years to the day, he's back in the team for the friendly game against the USA. Rooney, it's worth mentioning, retired himself back in August 2017, saying, and I quote, It was great that Gareth Southgate called me this week to tell me he wanted me back in the England squad for the upcoming matches. I really appreciated that. However, having already thought long and hard, I told Gareth that I had now decided to retire for good from international football. It is a really tough decision and one I've discussed with my family, my manager at Everton and those closest to me. Playing for England has always been special to me. Every time I was selected as a player or captain was a real privilege and I thank everyone who helped me. But I believe now is the time to bow out. That's what he said. Now, sure, he is our record goal scorer. 53 goals is a huge success, nothing to be sniffed at. 119 appearances too puts him well in the record books. But this recalling doesn't sit easily with me. A game against the USA, which was announced in April of this year, as a friendly, has now, two weeks before the game being announced, as the Wayne Rooney Foundation International. 
I'm sure it's no coincidence that his team, DC United, fell out of the MLS playoffs recently and their season ended. No further games that could be played shortly before the Wembley game. And there's no denying that he's been a success in America. But what if this game had been arranged against, say, Uruguay or Mexico? Would this be happening? Would Rooney be back then? The cynic in me says ticket sales have been poor and this is the FA's way of ramping them up. One last chance to see Rooney in all white. And if that was the case, and in my eyes, it's another reason why we should be taking friendlies around the country. Plus, if you cast your mind back to 2015, shortly after Rooney had beaten Bobby Charlton's goal-scoring record, we played Estonia in a Euro 2016 qualifier. Charlton awarded Rooney with a golden boot on the pitch before the game. So it's not as if he hasn't already been recognised. Based on Gareth Southgate's philosophy, I don't believe that this is his choice. This is something that the FA have forced upon him. I'd like to think that he was vocal enough, but in the end was just shouted down. And I think by including Rooney, we're denying a younger player a trial for England in front of a home crowd. I mean, much was made of James Madison's inclusion in the last squad. They actually never made it to the pitch. This could be his opportunity. A friendly, rather than a competitive Nations League game. And I do have the utmost respect for Rooney and what he's achieved for England and would gladly stand to applaud him. But I could do that at half-time, as he does a lap of honour round the pitch and the FA could donate a percentage of ticket sales to his charity. In my eyes... More worthy of a tribute game should be the players from 1966. The team, those who have fallen on hard times. Those that are still with us, that is. George Cohen had to sell his medals and now has Alzheimer's disease. Likewise, Nobby Styles. I'm not deriding the Wayne Rooney Foundation, far from it. It's raised a lot of money and awareness for children's charities across the country. It just all seems bit too quickly to be decided by the FA of what this game now is. Anyway, it certainly stirred up a lot of debate on social media. Gary Jordan said it shouldn't happen and the player should just refuse it as well. He's moved on, we've moved on from his era. Just move on. David Samuel, that will make the US match even more of a circus. Whereas Chris Etchenham says it's a friendly, people should just lighten up. He's our record goal scorer, and it gives him a bit more of a dignified goodbye than he had before. And Dom Smith said, it's only for one game. Harmless. I also done a quick Twitter poll on uh, our Twitter feed, at 3 Lions Podcast, which actually finished 60% of people said that it was a good idea that he was recalled to the squad. Anyway, whatever you or I think... He has been a great servant to our country and I imagine the odds will be stacked high for him to make it 54 goals. Here's an excuse to reminisce on Wayne Rooney. Seventeen years old, 111 days and Wayne Rooney becomes the youngest player ever to represent England at senior level. Second half, 53rd minute, history made. English history, that is. 17-year-old Wayne Rooney becoming the youngest scorer 
in England soccer history. 45 by equalizing for England. Rooney. He's done it again. In stoppage time before half time. It is Wayne's world. To Owen. Back to Rooney. Wayne Rooney is in for England again. Well, in this tournament, a true international star is born. His name, Wayne Rooney. Rooney. Wonderfully well to retain it for so long. And an incident that might have passed off initially. Without a card, ends in Rooney being sent off. Echoes of Beckham in St Etienne eight years ago. And now England are up against it. Can I start by asking you who will be your new captain, please? Wayne Rooney. It's time for Wayne Rooney. 50 up for England. For England's all time leading goal scorer, it's Wayne Rooney's record breaker. I've had a fantastic international career so far, um, played a lot of games and. I've enjoyed every minute, um, but at some point, you know, it, it's going to come to an end, whether it's two years, four years' time. But I think um, come Russia, I'm, I feel that will be the, the time for me to, to you know, say goodbye to international football and um, my mind's made up. Right, the squad. It was announced on Thursday the 8th of November. Other than Rooney, the main highlight was the inclusion of Bournemouth's Callum Wilson. Six goals in 11 appearances so far this season, and I must admit he was off my radar. But he stands the chance to add to his one under-21 cap he earned back in 2014. Other uncapped players include Marcus Bettinelli, Lewis Dunk and Alex McCarthy, but all have been squad members before. The only major absentee I can see is Harry Maguire, who's injured. And I mentioned James Madison earlier. It would appear he's injured at the moment, so hasn't been recalled. But there are recalls for Michael Keane of Everton and Deli Alley and Jesse Lingard also return. Now, I thought last month's squad was big, but this list is even longer. 28 names announced, although Rooney is only eligible for the USA game, and he won't start that one either. The plan is to make a second-half substitute appearance. My guess? 65 minutes. By announcing a bigger squad before a Premier League weekend, I'm guessing Gareth is trying to cover his back in anticipation of any players that may get injured. And this just appeared to happen. That evening, Arsenal entertained Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League and Danny Welbeck was stretched off with an oxygen mask. Photos appear to show his ankle at an uncomfortable angle. I think it's safe to say he's out. By the time this podcast goes live, I'm pretty sure others will have pulled out too. But the original squad, as announced, was a 28-man team made up of four goalkeepers. Jordan Pickford, Jack Butland, Alex McCarthy and Marcus Bettinelli. Nine defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Ben Chilwell, Lewis Dunk, Joe Gomez, Michael Keane, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. Nine midfielders, Deli Alley, Ross Barkley, Fabian Delph, Eric Dyer, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, 
Raheem Sterling and Harry Winks. And up front, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Wayne Rudy, Jaden Sancho, Callum Wilson and their Danny Welbeck. But we'll put an asterisk by him. On paper, it's a pretty strong squad which should overcome Croatia in the game that matters. On the stats front, it's made up from five from Spurs, four from Man City, three from Liverpool uh, and Manchester United, two from Chelsea and Everton, and one from Fulham, Stoke, Leicester, Brighton, Southampton, DC United, Dortmund, Bournemouth and Arsenal. Again, little asterisk there. 596 caps between them, although bulked up by Rooney's 119. And of course, he does add to the goals tally, which is 111. But take his 53 away and you get a more realistic 58. Average age of 24.5. Again, that's taken into account Rooney's age. You do the maths, you can work that one out yourself. With the USA game coming up this coming Thursday, there's a lot of hype around it. I'd like to welcome Daryl Grove from, well, it's across the pond, as they say, and he comes from the Total Soccer Show, joins us from America. Daryl, hello. Hello. How are you doing, Russell? Not too bad. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, all good. I'm ready for um, my two teams to take each other on. Two teams. Yes. Interesting situation. How did you find yourself over there? Um, the very short story is I met a girl. and that's. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why I'm here. So I've been in the US since um, 2005, but like I've been here long enough that I've really taken on the US team as as my team. I really have got this like equal love for England and and the USA, which is a really interesting experience to uh, have one team that goes to the World Cup semi-finals and one team that doesn't go to the World Cup at all. Yeah, I was going to say it's been a uh, been a, a strange strange year for American soccer, or the national team, hasn't it? How's that been taken? Um, people are very frustrated because things have been very slow moving, right? So the actual failure to qualify for the World Cup was October 2017. Head coach, manager, head coach Bruce Arena was either resigned or was fired very soon afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was ready to, you know, let's get the new manager in. Let's get, you know, get it going. Those for the US Soccer Federation president, who's elected by various groups within soccer here. That took a few months until like February. And then they wanted to appoint a general manager, which is more like a, a technical director type person who would oversee right. the coaching to give some continuity between coaches. So that took a long time. It was Ernie Stewart, who I'm not sure people might remember from the 94 World Cup. He was appointed in August as the general manager. And now he's been conducting interviews to appoint the new coach. So we've gone more than a year now, no new coach. And what we've had is uh, Dave Sarakin, who was essentially an assistant coach under Bruce Arena, who's just been basically bumbling along (laughs) as assistant, sorry, as interim head coach. So it's been a whole year of people just waiting and waiting and waiting. Do we know if you're any closer to appointing someone? Well, the, the strong, strong rumor is that Greg Berhalter, who was a defender for the US national team, he played in Germany for a while. He's been managing in Major League Soccer. He manages the Columbus crew. Oh, right. um, the rumor is that he is the guy that's going to be appointed. But Major League Soccer playoffs are happening pr- pretty much right now, right? So I think what they're doing is waiting until Berhalter's team is either, you know, wins the whole thing or is eliminated from the playoffs and then they'll appoint him. That's the rumor. I don't, I don't have any sort of sources on that. That's just your your theory and the rumour. and But it makes yeah. sense, though, wouldn't it, to, to leave the playoffs until it's all, all done? 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I think the frustration for most fans is we we would prefer that the US soccer just told us that that's what was happening rather than just waiting it out and not giving any information. Yeah, I, I can see kind of both sides of it. I'm sure uh, Columbus it was Columbus Crew. You said his yeah. their manager. I, I imagine that their supporters may take umbrance to that. Would they? Pretty oh, much. Well- They've had, I don't want to get us too distracted being where um, they were attempting, the owner of Columbus Crew was attempting to leave the town and move the team to Austin, Texas. So they've been very preoccupied with the fight to keep the team in Texas. Like a, like a Wimbledon MK Dons situation uh, has been yeah. brewing for about a year. And it looks like they might have won and kept the team in town. So uh, uh, they've had, definitely had bigger things to think about this year. That, that, that's a whole other, whole other podcast and it it's, sure it's not mine, to be honest. That's <laughs> your podcast and we'll talk about that very soon <laughs> um, so i mean this year from what i can gather paid about nine is it nine games of um and it's been an even spread you've drawn to bosnia france and peru you've beaten paraguay bolivia and mexico but you've lost to a ooh, island i saw <laughs> brazil which is yeah, acceptable and colombia which yeah uh, so it's, it's been an even spread so the story of the past year has been, there's been the frustration with not having a permanent coach, but what Dave Sarakin, as the interim coach has done is called up a bunch of kids, basically. A lot of the more senior players, like names that people would recognize, have not been called in. And Sarakin has used this year to literally give games to guys who haven't played any senior football. Like not all of them, but there's a guy like, say, Josh Sargent is an annual C on the, on the squad. Um, who's with Werder Bremen. He's only 18. And a lot of US fans know him because he did really well for the US under 17s and then the US under 20s. But he's never played a senior professional game of football. But when right. he when he starts for the US, he looks maybe like the best striker that we have. On one hand, yes, just bring the youth in and blood them so they've got the experience. But on, on the other hand, when you're, you're losing to Ireland, no disrespect, I think you should yeah. be beating the likes of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's been I'll tell you, it's been very up and down as well because with I mean these are talented kids right? like Tim Weir is another guy Jordan one who's, uh, who's been playing he's with PSG he's played a couple of times there are moments when this team looks really really good but there are also moments when we come up against Colombia or Brazil who both fielded really strong teams where they really got ripped apart like you could really see the the inexperience and like play, players being falling for things where you get pulled out of position and then exploited so that sort of stuff has happened um, against the bigger teams in many ways the island result is the one outlier where we looked terrible and lost to a team that wasn't sort of a team that we feared if that makes sense because right. that was that came uh, around the same time that we uh defended really strongly and got a i think a 1-1 draw against france in that same that same international window oh i see i have seen the squad that's that's come out it's a uh it's a largest squad that's yeah been announced and i thought the england team was was quite big <laughs> 28 games i think you've got more than that tell us through the the squad there who who stands out who should we be looking at well, first, I want to tell you why it's such a big squad, right? There are yeah. two reasons, I think. The first is that it appears that this is Dave Sarakin's last couple games as coach. So I kind of feel like it's him bringing in all his old friends, like maybe there'll be a send-off party. Right. <laughs> um, the other thing is Major League Soccer playoffs, they're happening this weekend. So there are three games Sunday night. Um, and I think, I don't know the exact number, but like six or seven of this squad will be involved in those games. So the expectation is that because they're late Sunday night, it'll take so long to get to England for the first game they maybe won't join up with the team until Tuesday wow. um, so the game is on Thursday that probably 
it's almost like two squads in one because there'll be a bunch of players that can't play in the England game will probably play in the second game against Italy. The names that maybe you won't know that maybe you should be looking out for is someone like Weston McKenney, who plays for Schalke in Germany. He's only 20 years old. Um, right. You'll see him in central midfield, either as like a holding midfielder or slightly more advanced. And he is wonderfully combative. He has this thing where it, it always looks like he's maybe fouled someone, but he, he somehow hasn't and always <laughs> comes away with the ball. So like big slide tackles, big tackles in midfield. Um, and then he's very, very smooth on the ball. Like he'll carry the ball forward and, you know, pick an open pass or split a couple of defenders with the pass. He's a guy that everybody's really, really excited about. Um, and then another name which you may know from the Champions League is Christian Pulisic. Okay, so Pulisic is, oh, how old is he? I think he's 20 as well. He would have gone to the World Cup had the USA made it, plays for Borussia Dortmund. Essentially him and Jaden Sancho, who I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, yep. are sometimes starting together on either wing and sometimes battling each other for a starting spot. And he is, Pulisic is the first name every US fan looks for on the roster right now. He's the star player. He's the guy that everybody's excited about. Right. Um, and he's essentially, he's like fast and direct and just goes at people and really causes panic when he dribbles at people. But I'm excited to see him do it for the US against England, right? So if he's up against, say, Kyle Walker or Ben Chilwell or someone like that, for me, it'd be really exciting to see him go up against players that I know to see to see how he does, essentially. Yeah. And I also noticed that, you, is that right, that you've only got two forwards in this squad? Yes. Well, I mean, officially, the way it's listed, right? So it's Bobby Wood, um, who plays for Hanover in the Bundesliga, and yeah. Josh Sargent. But there are also guys like Tim Weyer who theoretically could also play up front. So right. there are other options if needed. But my guess is the... Uh, the formation most favoured by Dave Sarikin has been a 4-1-4-1. So I think basically there are two options for that one forward spot. Gotcha, I see. What do you realistically think will, will happen come Thursday? Um, I would imagine a narrow defeat for the US and a narrow win for England. That, that's my guess. Um, because they, like I said, they have that, the, the idea is 4-1-4-1, they hold until about the halfway line. So they'll get people behind the ball until the halfway line. And then and once England get to there, then the US will exert some exert some pressure. So they don't take too many chances and send too many forward um, on counterattacks. Yeah. But because of the inexperience, there's almost certainly, I'm basing this on the Colombian-Brazil games, there's almost certainly going to be some small mistake, even with numbers behind the ball, that will then get exploited. The one I'll be looking at especially is Anthony Robinson. I'm not sure if that's a player you're familiar with. So he's actually English-American. He's officially with Everton. Wigan. Oh, he's, he's, he's yeah. on loan from... So, yeah, yeah. He's an Everton player who's on loan at Wigan. So he's playing pretty much every week in the championship. He's really wonderful going forward. He'll sort of... He looks like a winger. He'll go past people, get crosses in. But I've seen him in the last couple months go up against Douglas Costa when we played Brazil yeah. um, and up against uh, James Rodriguez played on the right with Arias overlapping for Colombia. And both times he got really, really exploited. And just little things like he'll be, he stepped hard for, for balls that he thought he could get to, but Douglas Costa got there first and went around him. And you know what I'm saying? So I would expect maybe small mistakes from young players that result in goals for England. You mentioned there, Robinson, but players that um, we over here may may notice. I see there's, is it Cameron Carter-Vickers? Is it Swansea? Yeah. Who's also, by the way, half he's half English as well. He's an English-American. So two ah. English-Americans on the roster. Lynn at Newcastle, Luca de Toro at yeah. Fulham, I think are the only ones that we'll immediately recognise. The main talking point leading up to, to this game is obviously Wayne Rooney yeah. um, and his inclusion. You'll obviously have seen him 
whether you've seen him in the flesh or not, I don't know, but on the telly, I'm sure, for DC United. What's, yeah, what's your take and what's the, what's the American take on him coming back? I think most people are just really happy for him, happy that he's getting this sort of recognition and reward because it did seem like when he left England, the national team, and when he left the Premier League, he didn't exactly leave in disgrace, but there's definitely a feeling of, yeah, we've had enough of you. You know what I'm saying? And what he's done is he's come to Major League Soccer and people, including myself, were very sceptical of how he would perform and how much effort he would put in. And it even in a weird way, it started badly. He got massive sunburn the first week he was here. Like his face went red and started peeling, like classic Englishman abroad in too much really? sun. <laughs> um, but ever since, he has been absolutely wonderful. Like he has been, in terms of like, community engagement and just being willing to do interviews and to you know talk things up and be available, he's been apparently wonderful to work with. And then on the field, he has he really turned his team around. DC United were terrible. They were terrible. They had no hope of making the playoffs, which is like the goal of every MLS team yeah. at the start of the season. As soon as Wayne Rooney dropped into, into that team, um, it coincided with the opening of a new stadium. And suddenly they went on this massive, massive winning streak. Watching Rooney, it's like he got to do what he always wanted to do, which was play centre forward every week and be able to sort of come deep if he wants to come deep, but also go high if he wants to go high. I mean, you think for the last few years, we've... We've watched Rooney knowing that he might get shunted deep into midfield. He might get shunted out wide. He might get dropped. So to see him full of confidence and playing every week, it was like watching the 18-year-old Wayne Rooney. It was like Euro 2004 all over again, yeah. really briefly. Yeah, so it's been, it's been great to see him have a sort of second wind. I'm, I know there's been some skepticism in England about him coming back, but I really like the idea of England's all-time top goal scorer having this moment where everybody gets to you know applaud him one last time. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, There's plenty of opinions going round. I know. Um, I've uh, seen them. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he'll stay? I don't know what his contract situation is. Well, is oh, yeah. He's got at least a couple more years to go. And the other thing that people have really loved him for is immediately after DC were eliminated from the playoffs about a week ago, somebody asked him, are you looking at a loan move to Europe? Because a lot of MLS players, high-profile players, will then go, like say, January to March, They'll go on loan. Like Beckham went to Milan for a little bit. And, you know, a few players have done that. And Rooney basically said, why would I do that? That would be really disrespectful to the team. And he's the first high-profile player that's immediately quashed those rumours and not been interested in it. So there's a lot of love for Wayne Rooney in the United States right now. Well, the other big thing, I guess, American-wise, is happened a little while ago, but the announcement of the World Cup 2026. Yes. Be a joint one with Mexico and Canada. That's That's got to be exciting. Yeah, especially because there's still a thing here of growing the game, right? The US needs to get more people watching watching games on TV, playing games, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and when they didn't make the 2018 World Cup, everybody knew this would be a bit of a blow in terms of more exposure for the game. Literally fewer people watched it because some people only watch for patriotic reasons, if that makes yeah. sense. To host it in 2026... I mean, one, it's guaranteed the U.S. qualifies, so that's yeah. one big thing. But also just people will get into it in the same way that people got into various sports in London in 2012 for the Olympics, right? So it will it will play a major role in pushing things forward once again. Because to give you a good example, last time hosted the World Cup in 1994, part of that deal was the launch of Major League Soccer in 1996. So it has, it has big effects when the U.S. hosts the World Cup. It has big effects internally for the growth of the game. And it's likely to, I guess, for the likes of Canada as well. Yeah. So the deal is that the US is hosting like 80% of the games, I think. And the other 20% is split between Canada and Mexico. 
which is kind of, I think, a deal they had to make just to get some hosting. But yeah, I mean, it's great for Canada because they would not be hosting a Men's World Cup on their own. Oh, okay. Total Soccer Show, your, your podcast. Tell us about it. Um, so it started on a local radio station here in 2009. So it's it's me and, and my friend and co-host Taylor Rockwell, um, who's American. He's from, we're in Richmond, Virginia here. So he, he's from here. So it started out as sort of serious because the people at the public radio station really held us to a high standard, taught us how to use all the equipment, all of that kind of stuff. And then over the years, we sort of added a second show a week and then we rented our own studio space and we went to five shows a week. And wow. it slowly turned into this full-time thing where we could quit our other jobs and now we get to do this full-time soccer podcast. Excellent. So you, you get to see a, a fair amount of games then and, and mingle with, with various people, do you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Not so much in terms of uh, we don't go to endless live games because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're making money, but we don't have a gigantic travel budget. But when we do get to go, the good thing about American soccer is it's, in some ways, it's a very uh, small world. So once you know a few people, you can almost get to know everybody fairly quickly. So if you go to various events, everybody you know in American soccer will be there. So it's quite a nice little, uh, like a band of fellow warriors, sort of, because everybody's really into the idea of, you know, grow the game, let, let's yeah. make it happen. Yeah, so it's, it's nice to be involved in that world. So uh, if someone, if people want to get in touch with you, what, what's the best sort of way? Follow us on Twitter. We're at Total Soccer Show. We're pretty responsive on there. Our website, totalsoccershow.com, has a contact page where we you know, we take emails and also we invite listener questions. So if anyone has any questions, send them in. We love doing listener question specials because listeners ask questions that we'd never thought to answer. So that stuff's always fun. And obviously what we want everybody to do is subscribe to the podcast and listen. I mean, if, if England fans are looking for a sort of a deeper dive into the US side, they obviously the big England-USA preview will come out uh, in the next few days. Well, I will uh, I will plug that. I'll put a, a couple of links to your Twitter website, etc., on our on our Facebook and, and Twitter page and all that as well. All right. Thanks, Russell. Enjoy the game come Thursday. Yes, I will do. You too. Right, next up is Croatia on the Sunday. Before we cross to Alex Holliger to get that Croatian angle, here are the permutations for the Nations League. Whilst we're hosting the USA on the Thursday, there's a very important game taking place in Zagreb between Croatia and Spain, which could determine the outcome of Group A4, our group. Now, as I see it, here are the permutations. For us to win Group A4 and progress to the finals next year, we need Croatia to take something off of Spain, a draw or a win, and then we'll need to beat the Croats at Wembley. Relegation, though, is still a possibility. If Croatia beats Spain, then they would only need a score draw to send us down. And they can also send us down even if they lose to Spain and then beat us. Although it could just all stay as we are. Stay in second. If Spain beat Croatia and England don't lose, then as I say, it's as you are. Or if both games are a draw. Croatia could beat Spain and then draw 0-0 at Wembley and we stay second place by virtue of goal difference. Right, let's cross to Zagreb in Croatia and speak with Alexander Holliger again. Alexander, hello there. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, you? Yeah, great. Yeah, all good, thank you. Uh, now, we spoke 
recently um, before the Croatia against England game. Um, but more importantly, firstly, I need to know what what was the result between Croatia and Jordan? Oh man, I I, I forgot about it. <laughs> I think it was two one Croatia, something like that. They they had the two nil lead and then the Jordan somehow clawed one back and it was some a little bit panicky in the end, something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad glad it wasn't but too embarrassing. Result, I remember it being two one. Anyway, what what was your reaction to that? The game in Rijeka, the nil nil. Yeah, it wasn't a very good game, was it? No. <laughs> I think both both teams were just you know just just went through it like went through the motions. It was uh, I don't know. It was like marital sex or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time we've mentioned that on the uh, on the podcast. <laughs> Came up with that right now. No, <laughs> It's, like it's been a long day for me. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you reckon it was anything to do with the, the lack of crowd? Do you reckon I had Yeah, definitely. Teams? Definitely it was a factor, I think, for both teams. Although Croatia have, might have already gotten used to that. They played uh, with no crowd before. But I think it was weird for them and even more awkward for England didn't see many good football, many good chances. But I think, um, in my opinion, England were better and deserved to win. What do you think? Yes, yeah, I would agree with that. I think we uh, we had plen- plenty of chances, just didn't take them really. Um, mm-hmm. Just just one of those games. And I, I do think the, the lack of crowd influenced that. But it's it's been, it's happened. What was the reaction from the Croatian public? I'm a little bit muted. Uh, like I told you, it's all a bit muted now after the World Cup. Yeah. You know, it just you can't really beat that. So it's all, I don't know. And nobody really takes this competition very seriously. Although uh, afterwards, uh, after after England uh, played Spain and, and everybody saw the result, there were some people, uh, some players included, you know, who suddenly starts to think, oh, we might have a chance here. <laughs> well, this is what I was going to say. It can really all change now. I was wondering if your perspective on it has changed, because if you win these next two games, you can go through as winners. Yeah, I mean, that would be really absurd. <laughs> but, but it is a possibility, yeah. I mean, it's just just, just too awkward uh, hearing some of the players said, oh, we have a chance now. It opened up for us. What what opened up? You know, <laughs> you yeah. you haven't scored a single goal. What? I mean, yeah. You're feeling it's all a bit hypocritical at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I know things can change, you know, but they haven't shown anything so far to uh, I don't know to support that kind of hope. Right. So. Okay. Now you've um, we were just talking off air there. You've said that the the Croatian squad has been announced. I yeah. haven't seen it yet. Any. Any surprises there? What can uh, not, you tell us about? Not, not really surprises, but uh, this is um, for the, this time. Uh, three kids from the under twenty ones were included, and especially two of those kids are really deserve a call up, and they're both uh, attacking players, wingers or attacking midfielders. One of them might you might be familiar with him uh, because it's Nikola Vlasic, who is under contract with Everton, is now 
on loan uh, in Moscow at CSK, doing fantastically there. Right, and he he's been just brilliant for the for the under twenty ones, like uh, three assists in one game, you know, and he's oh, wow. he's just in in a, on top of his game right now. Okay, uh, both for the club and 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 for, for the team. So I I'm hoping he'll get a chance. And the other kid is Yossi uh, Brekalo, who plays in the Bundesliga for Wolfsburg. Uh, he's just like a you know classical fast and 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 uh, tricky winger. Right. So this is exactly the kind of player that Croatia have been lacking in recent games, and maybe uh, when they have that sort of a player, maybe then um, Ante Rebic, who is also more of a winger, could remain as a first choice for number number nine. So this is uh, with with these two, uh, the team suddenly looks a little bit better. Okay. But, you know, um, I think. The the manager is a little bit um, not maybe not conservative, but he is the kind of guy who um, takes into account you know past glories and and stuff like that. So I I'm not sure he'll play either of them. Oh, right, I mean manager uh, is Zlato yeah. Dalic, isn't it? Yes, yes, but it is it is an option for him, and he could do something with those two kids. I think. But we'll see. I mean, what um, have you got a a decent youth or under twenty one setup in Croatia? There, the national side. Yes, I think they are very decent right now. Yeah, yeah. They um, they, they don't have a centre forward. That that's one thing. They just don't have it. They have one guy who plays uh, in Austria for a, like a minor club in Austria and hasn't scored a single goal in this season. Oh dear. So, <laughs> Not, not yeah, good. but in other positions they are really good in defense, in in midfield, in wingers. Yeah, is the um, the the Croatian media referring back to that game in two thousand and seven at Wembley when Croatia famously beat England? Oh, mate, Croatian media hasn't even been talking about this game yet. No, so, <laughs> we will have to wait and see. I don't think it was even mentioned apart from the call-ups being revealed and it's just not an issue yet you're not thinking about it okay. yeah do you how do you think a lot of croatians will travel over i mean i i remember that game in 2007 mm-hmm. the the away end was just heaving with croatians and, and i know yeah. we've got a well, you know that was different it, it was the, the first official away game with england true and and um, the team had much more support back then than it has now and even it, if it didn't have any competitive meaning, I, I suppose people booked their flights early on and bought tickets early on. So yeah. uh, it, 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 it was different. I think uh, it will be some perhaps decent support because it's, you know, just convenient to go to London and, and people would rather go to London than to say, I don't know, Moldova or someplace yeah. like that. You know? So... They probably go and you know have fun and and see a game. You know? I see. Okay. Yeah. What's what's going on with yourself though, work wise? Are you what are you writing at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm just working on on this website of mine. I'm the chief editor of Telesport HR, which is a, like a general sports website in Croatia. I've been doing that for two years now. 
Right. Uh, it's like my project, my idea, my concept. So I have to, you know, uh, keep it uh, on a certain level. Yeah. And besides that, I haven't really been uh, um, writing much uh, in English since since that game, since that first game uh, uh, versus England. I wrote some stuff for the Guardian back then, yeah. and afterwards I didn't. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on Telesport. What is it? Telesport HR. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, great. And if if anyone wants to talk Croatian football, you're open to that. Yes, of course I am. I most people already know him from know me from Twitter and stuff like that. So I'm the usual, you know, go-to guy when it comes to Croatian football, and I appreciate people like you um, asking about me about it. Well, I appreciate you uh, giving us giving us some time on the on the Freelines podcast. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, uh, enjoy the game, or enjoy. You've got two games because you've got Spain as well. Yeah. Uh, is that in Targreb? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Will you be going to that one? Uh, no, no, I won't. Uh, watch it on the telly. I, I don't really enjoy going to games in Zagreb because um, I don't feel very good at the stadium. You know, I know I don't know if you ever been. But it's uh, it's surely the the ugliest stadium in Europe. I haven't and, been, but I've seen it, and I think it's a, yeah, it's I mean, a strange it's, one. Yeah, it just uh, every time I I go there, I have this funny feeling, and I, I just don't want to go. It's <laughs> just more more convenient to to watch it at home. Okay, Alex, thank you very much for that. Appreciate that. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Bye. Okay, a little while back, I think it was before the the Spain game, Spain home game, uh, we spoke to Canal Supat from the Block 109 initiative, and I'm glad to say he's come back to uh, to tell us a little bit more. Canal. Hi, um, nice to speak to you again, mate. And you, um, how's things? Yeah, good, mate. Um, so, well, I guess uh, if people have been keeping an eye out, um, they would have seen that things have sort of been more out there with Block 109 um, through the... FA as well. They've helped to push the idea a bit. Um, so what we're doing right now is we've managed to organise two new banners, which will be launched um, in the next two games coming up. Okay. Uh, what uh, what we did with the group, we came up with a couple of ideas for possible things we could have on the banners. This went out to a vote to everyone on England Supporters Club on uh, what they wanted mm. uh, for the, the, in terms of the text and the wording. And once we had that, um, we sort of worked on getting some designs together. And um, actually, we've had a lot more people get involved in the last couple of months within the group. So things are really, really pushing forward with that now. Oh, that's really good. Now, I, I, I'm assuming you don't want to tell us what's going to be on those banners yet. Um, or well, tell I, us what... I think it's already out on the FA website, actually. Well, <laughs> what, on the, the ones that have been chosen? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think something went out actually. Just oh, that's, that's my fault for not keeping up on that front. <laughs> um, uh, go on, then tell us what they're going to be. So there's two banners. One of them's our England, our time uh, ri- uh, written on it. The other one is behind three lines uh, written on it. The thing with these banners, I think within the group, we wanted it to be sort of more than just banners. You know, we wanted something meaningful behind it. So what we've gone for 
with the first banner, um, which one of our designers within the group uh, came up with the idea. With our England, our time uh, misused uh, Euro 96 theme with the text. It's got images of Carol Southgate from 96 to what, you know, as a, to symbolise our England and what sort of we felt as a nation and what's happened since then till, you know, to Russia now with him image of him celebrating sort of, you know, sort of we're in this together, like, you know, and the story developing from that to now and sort of it symbolises that and, you know, that we're all together and uh, going forward, you know, from where we were, where we're going forward and developing from that. That's the first banner. Nice touch, like that. There's the other one behind the three lions, which basically just celebrates and symbolises, you know, well, that what we're doing right now. You know, with it's got some images of the current sort of the, the team and you know what we're trying to achieve together. It's got you know uh, symbolises the young squad we have and going forward. You know that we're all behind the current setup and going forward. That's what we're trying to do. Great stuff. So you had two previous banners. Yes. What's, you don't tell me they've been thrown away. Are they still uh, going to be around? Banners are all still there. Uh, these are the, the new ones that we're launching um, for mm. next the next couple of games. And, well, we'll, we'll see how things go. But these are just two banners. Obviously, we'll work on other initiatives and other ideas going forward. Um, but now, you know, we've got a lot more people involved, so we should have more ideas going forward with uh, displays and atmosphere uh, developments and various things. Um, so it is still just the start, but is since the last time we spoke, things have gone uh, developed a bit more. That's, that's really good to know. Has Gareth Southgate been? Has he seen these banners? Like the well, one he actually approved. On? He actually approved the banners because uh, we had to sort of get the banners approved uh, oh, from okay. uh, from the FA and everything. And I, I think yeah, he 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 was involved in improving the banner that he's on himself. So he'll, he'll hopefully be pleased to see it. Great. No, that's, that's really good. And how much does a, a banner like this cost and, and where does the money come from? To be honest, the FA are actually paying for these banners. I wouldn't be able to tell you the exact price because I don't know the exact uh, figures myself. But yeah, for these banners, the FA are currently um, they're paying for these ones. Okay. What other in- initiatives are you thinking? Well, I mean, I mean, within the group, since people have sort of joined up and started getting involved, you know, people have various ideas, you know, you know, ideas around doing more displays or, you know, ideas about where, you know, sort of getting everyone who wants to be involved sitting in essentially around 109, you know, yeah. um, whether going forward we can have dialogue with FA to sort of have areas, you know, where people are, you know, sitting, standing together, um, which we'd have anyway, like unofficially as 109, but whether we can do anything more official going forward, um, it's just we'll have to see, I guess, watch this uh, space. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great that um, there's been a lot of input from various people since we last spoke, and that all came out because I think there was a WhatsApp group, wasn't there? Uh, yes, there is. We have a WhatsApp group. Sort of, we tweeted out anyone who wants to get involved to get in touch, and well, plenty have. And hence, this is where the sort of we've pushed on and actually got these banners organised and had more ideas from different people because we've had a lot more people involved now since since the last game. In fact, I think it's mainly been kicked off in the last month or so, really. 
so, I mean, this is going forward. So I imagine going forward, there'll be a lot more ideas for the upcoming games and beyond yeah. the, the qualifiers and everything. Great. Well, that, that Twitter address, I think, is, uh, what are you, at England Block 109? That's it, at England Block 109, yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, get messages into you guys and hopefully we can get some more banners come or different ideas and, and input for the, well, I guess it'll be the the first round of uh, the next year. Yeah, that'll, that'll be great, yeah. Canal, great to speak to you again. Uh, good luck with the banners. I will be, I think I'm front row, actually, upper tier for the USA game and I'll be above them. So I'll be looking down on it. Look forward to seeing those. Okay. Good night. Right. Cheers for that, and we'll right. speak again. Yeah. Right. There we have it. A preview for our next two games. On a personal note, the USA game will be a personal milestone for myself. My 100th match watching England in the flesh. Obviously, many will have been to more. Others won't have a clue how many they've been to. But the nerd in me has been counting up my programmes and ticket stubs. From my very first game at Euro 96, England against Scotland, my first away in Greece 2001, going to various World Cups and European tournaments. I've had various sabbaticals due to moving house and family commitments, but the joy is still there, now more so than ever. I've missed some games that I'd wish I'd gone to too, but uh, that's life. 100 is a decent milestone. Do I get a golden cap? Perhaps Steph Houghton and I can have a joint celebration. Anyway, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to Alex Holliger for the Croatian view, Daryl Grove for the American angle, and Kunal Sapat for updating us on Block 109. Take a look on our Twitter feed. You can grab all of their Twitter accounts and follow those via there. And we are at Three Lions Podcast. You can search the same on Facebook. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we're also at www.3lionspodcast.com. And I'd be grateful if you get the chance to leave a review, like, subscribe at all the usual places. I would be eternally grateful. I'll be back after the Croatia game to go over it all, hopefully in a positive frame of mind. And I'll also have a little teaser for the next interview podcast I have coming up. So I hope you can join me for that, and I'll catch you again soon.